0: And bring us God's Word. Praise the Lord, everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, Hallelujah. <laughs> and on the other side, Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's good to be in God's house tonight, isn't it? It sure is. Amen. And I appreciate you being here tonight. I really do appreciate you being here. And I hope that I've got something for us tonight. I've been praying and asking God's blessing. And uh, I need the anointing of God as always. And I just believe that God's going to do something great. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for the word that we're about to read. Your precious holy word, oh God. Help us tonight, dear God, to deliver this message. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that can understand, oh Lord. We need you so very much. So much do we need you this hour. We pray these blessings, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. And once again, I appreciate Pastor allowing me to be the speaker for tonight. And uh, we're praying that God will bring them all safely back, and I know He will, I just know He will. Deuteronomy chapter 3, Deuteronomy chapter 3, I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through 4, and then verse 8 through 11, then I'm going to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, and then Numbers 13 verse 33, uh, then I'll give you the title of our message tonight. How about one more time? Would you stand with me just for the reading of the word? I'm sorry, maybe i let you be seated too early. Chapter 3, Deuteronomy, verse 1. Then we turned and went up by the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edreel, Edria. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand. Thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og also, the king of Bashan, and all his people. And we smote him until none was left to him remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them, threescore cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of God, Og, and Bashan. Then verse 8. Let me pick up at verse 8. And We took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on this side, Jordan, from the river of Arnon unto Mount, Mount Hermon, which Hermon, the Sidonians, called Sairon, and the Amorites call it Shinar. And all the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, unto Salchok and Edria, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. And verse 11 says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man." Now, let me read a little bit more. Let me read also, if I can, please, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4. Genesis 6 and verse 4. Right quickly. Verse 4 says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, George of old, men of renown. And then also I'd like to read Numbers chapter 30, chapter 13, Numbers 13 and verse 33, verse 33 of of Numbers chapter 13, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I'd like to speak to us tonight, just a little while, on this. we talk talking about giants. I want to speak to us on the last giant before Canaan. Can we say that? Now, when I speak of Canaan, I'm talking about heaven, okay? (laughs) That's That's our Canaan land, heaven. But the last giant before Canaan, and I want God's blessing tonight. One more time, pray if you would. Jesus, we thank you again for the reading of your word. God, we need you tonight. Open up our ears, eyes, understanding. Help us, dear God, with anointing of God to speak concerning this message, the last giant before Canaan. So we ask all in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you tonight. Hallelujah. One more time, thank you for being here tonight. Amen. I've got an amen corner back there with Ethan and and, uh, Alex. Raise your hand, boys, back there. That's my little amen corner back there. I told him I was going to have him come up here, and I thought they was going to stay home from church. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, let me give you tonight the definition of a giant, according to Mr. Webster. Mr. Webster says the definition of a giant is huge, big, enormous, and uh, that's what you and I would think about a giant. And uh, I've never actually seen a giant. I don't guess I have, uh, what we would call a giant. But nevertheless... Uh, The Hebrew word for giant is bully. Can you think about that? What the Hebrews would call a giant would be bully. Nevertheless, but as I mentioned a moment ago, I must remind us all that we're not yet home yet. Heaven is our home. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses and Israel is standing at the brink of the Jordan River, and Moses rehearses the matter of their 40-year trial, a 40-year journey they had taken. From Egypt's bondage, which the children of Israel had spent 400 years in Egypt's bondage. Moses rehearsed their escape from Pharaoh and uh, how that God opened up the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went over on dry land. And the Egyptians that wanted to come across, God covered them all up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. He went on to talk about the wilderness trials that they went through of those 40 years. They had the cloud by day. And they had the pillar of fire by night. He reminded them how that God had fed them with manna in the wilderness. All they had to do was go out and pick it up every morning, fresh every day. That manna, every day, uh, fell right there close to the camp. And then, of course, uh, it wasn't long before the children of Israel were tired of that manna. They wanted meat. And so God sent quails by the droves, and they just fell out in bundles, I guess in I don't know, by the thousands maybe, right there, not too far from the camp. But God's a great big God. He fed them with that manna and also with the quails. He fed them. God sent it. But then God spoke uh, to Moses in the wilderness, and they were without water. And God spoke to Moses to speak to a rock. And Moses spoke the rock, and water gushed out. Isn't God a great big God? Come on, isn't God a great big God? He is a great big God, I'm telling you. He's a great big God. Hallelujah. We're going to get to a lot of good things about being a great big God right here. But water gushed out of that rock. Amen. On their journey, their shoes on their feet never wore out. Now think about 40 long years wearing the same shoes. When's the last time you wore a pair for 40 years? (laughs) 40 long years they wore those shoes and they never wore out. The clothes on their back, amen, never wore out. They wore those clothes for 40 long years, amen, while they were on that wilderness journey. But they were at the brink of the Jordan River, and they were about wanting to go across, but there was one giant. Now, they had faced other giants along the way, and they had slain other giants on their journey, but there was one giant that stood in their way to going into Canaan's land. One, everybody say one giant. One giant. And that giant was named Og. His name was Og. He was the last giant. Amen. But anyway, this one last giant, his name was Og, the king of Bashan. He was about 10 feet tall. His bed, the Bible said, right here was of iron. And we'll come back a little bit maybe on that later on about that iron bed. The length of his bed was about 13 feet long and six and a half feet wide. Think about that now. Talk about a giant of a man. Amen. His bed, 13 feet long and six and a half feet wide. But when we talk about the bed, I say the bed. The bed can mean relaxation, and of course it means sleep, and it means ease. Or maybe it means not conscious of your surroundings. When you are asleep at night, you are not conscious of your surroundings at all, not at all. Listen to me, please, if you would. I'm going to talk about the giants that we face in this day we live in, January 23rd, 2019. Our giants today are not physical. Everybody say, not physical. Thank God they're not But they are spiritual. Amen. They're spiritual because the Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, come on, against powers, against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But we can overcome them you believe we can? can. Everybody say, I can. can. We can overcome them. Why the Bible said, amen, God's Word tells us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Tell somebody beside you, hey, I've got the greater. Amen. I've got the greater. Praise God. And I'm going to keep the greater. And I'm going to be an overcomer overcomer also. Now, these are some of the giants as I was studying concerning this message today tonight. And I thought about the giants that we face, and we do face some giants. Giant number one, everybody say ease. The scripture warns us, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Ease could be a don't care attitude. Ease could be a not concerned attitude. Or ease could be like the little road that we pass on the way here every time to church called Ho-Hum Road. I think I know a lot of people live on Ho-Hum Holler. Amen. Ho-Hum Road where they live. But I thought that folks live here. But we need to read God's Word and to know what's going on. The signs of the end time are all around us. Do you believe that, church? They're all around us. Believe me, they are. Amen. Listen to the news. Read your newspaper. Listen Every day there's something, amen, you can almost pick up the Bible and read right what they're talking about right here in the Word of God. I'm telling you, friend, we are living on the verge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The rapture of the church is going to take place. Bam. And, brother, those that are ready are going to be ready. We'll be ready, and we will be out of here. Amen. A moment in the twinkling of an eye, just that quickly. But we need to realize this thing called ease. Amen. We don't need to be so at ease that we don't know what's going on around us. Amen. We don't need to have the ho-hum attitude. We don't need to have that don't care attitude. Amen. Our not concerned attitude. Let me tell you something. We need to be concerned about every lost soul that comes in here and sits on these chairs. Am I right, everybody? Amen. If you got a mom or a daddy that's lost, you ought to be concerned. If you got a brother or sister that's lost, you ought to be concerned. You got an aunt or uncle or somebody, amen. lost, we ought to be concerned about them. Praise God. We need to be concerned. Hallelujah. Not just at ease and don't care. The giant number two that we face, I thought, is a giant called worry. Everybody say worry. Worry means in a nervous or determined way, according to Webster. uh, Worry means to cause to feel troubled. Worry means to be uneasy. Worry means to be anxious. But let me tell you something. Worry never paid a debt. All the worry you can do is not going to pay your bills. Am I right? Worry never one time Paid a debt. I'm telling you right now. Worry never solved a problem. You can get up there and worry all day long. It's, oh, a worry. It'll never solve a problem whatsoever. Say it with me, it'll never solve a problem. It will never, ever solve a problem. I promise you it will not. Amen. It will never, never solve a problem. Amen. Worry never heals, it just hurts. John, number three, everybody say fear. The Bible tells us that fear hath torment, and what a giant that faces us every day of our lives, talking about fear, and talking about worry, and talking about ease. But this fear, the Bible tells us that fear hath torment, amen, like uh, the fear of dying. Now, I guess there's not a one of us that doesn't think about that sometimes. I don't care if you're 20 or whether you're 60 or whether you're 80 or what have you, amen, we all think about dying, and many times the fear of it can cause some terrible things in our lives. But you know what? If you've got the Holy Ghost in your life, you don't have to have that fear. Am I right? Yeah. Amen. Somebody said one time, well, what if somebody shoots me? Well, praise God. I'll just... Hey, you Threaten me with heaven if you want to. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll just be with the Lord. Praise God. I believe that's the reality too. Amen. I heard something one time said... Uh, uh, an old story was said the worry cow... Could have lived till now, but she feared the hay wouldn't last all day, so she choked herself to death. And there's a lot of worry cows out there. Amen. Worrying about everything in the world. Amen. Worry, worry, worry. But I said it never solved a problem. Amen. If we spent as much time praying about our problems as we do worrying about our problems, we'd have a lot more in our lives. You know that? Amen. But we worry, we worry. Giant number three, and i got several giants here I'm going to be talking about. But giant number three is fear, and the Bible said that fear hath torment. I just got to that one. Giant number four, everybody say unbelief. This giant number four of unbelief is, un, un, is really unbelievable about this giant called unbelief. Unbelief means the refusal to believe God's Word. His warnings, refusing to believe his warnings, refusing to believe the promises of God, refusal to believe that he is coming back again. Listen very carefully. I read this a long time ago and jotted it down somewhere in my notes, uh, maybe 15 years ago, and i run across it again this week. But anyway, a letter was sent out to 10,000 preachers and pastors asking two questions, listen carefully, Do you believe Jesus is coming back again? And do you believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, written by holy men of God? Out of the 10,000 letters that were sent out, 7,000 responded back again. 82% of the Methodists says, No, we do not believe the Bible is altogether the Word of God. 82% of the Methodists went on to say, that they do not believe in the promises of God. Eighty-nine percent of the Episcopalians says, no, we do not believe the Bible is an inerrant word of God. We do not believe in the promises of God. Eighty-nine percent of the United Presbyterians says, no, we don't believe that either. We don't believe it's the word of God. We don't believe in the promises of God. Fifty-seven percent of Baptists says no to the same thing. Fifty-one percent of Lutherans said the same thing. The apostolic Pentecostals, more than you think. it shock you how many people in our own ranks that don't believe the Lord's coming back. But I promise you He is. I said, I promise you He's coming back. You know why I promise you? Because He said He was. I said, He said He was. He said He's coming back and He's going to come back. Dear God, I've got to be ready. I've got to be ready. Hallelujah. I've got to be ready. Amen. I've just got to be ready. Praise God. Jesus convinced His apostles about this one subject, about the second coming, about His second coming. Jesus died in 33 A.D. and He rose again. Then He ascended into heaven with hundreds of witnesses that witnessed His ascension. But in 34 A.D., according to what I've read, they looked for his to come back in 34 A.D., but he didn't come back. Hundreds of years went by, but he still hadn't come back yet. In the year 1,000, they believed, surely the Lord's going to come back this year. Everybody say, but he didn't. He didn't. In the year 1556, Martin Luther, former of the Lutheran Church, assured his following that Jesus would come back that very year. Everybody say, but he did not. But he did not. In the year 1715, Isaac Newton told his congregation, church, it's this year, this is the year Jesus is coming back. But he didn't come back. It didn't happen. In 1874, the Jehovah Witnesses said Jesus would be crowned king that year. But I got news for them, he's always been crowned king of kings and lord of the lords. <laughs> amen they were wrong in what they thought amen let me tell you something nobody knows a day and nobody knows the hour wherein jesus is coming back again but he told us to be ready i said he told us to be ready church if i if i don't get anything else to you tonight let me tell you let's, let's don't miss heaven let's don't miss the rapture of the church Let's do whatever it takes. If you're not ready, get ready. If you're here tonight. Amen. You've never repented your sins. Repent of your sins tonight right here in this altar. Amen. I promise you there's water in the baptistry. Praise God. We'll be glad to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yes, he will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. we got to be ready for that second coming. The rapture of the church. Nobody knows that day nor the hour. Nobody, not even the angels of God, know exactly when that's going to be. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to be a day, and maybe it'll be just a normal day. You may be on your way to work, and boom, you disappear. The one behind you thought, hey, that person just disappeared in the car in front of me. Maybe you're already at work, and you're maybe at the... You 're doing your job, what it might be on the computer, what have you, and all at once, because you 're a child of God, you disappear, and people in office look around and say, "Hey, hey, she just disappeared what 's going on here?" Then all at once is it begins to happen all over the world, and the news people started putting it out there. Millions of people missing, missing. Where are they? Where are they? And then somebody said, I can tell you where they are. Amen. They've gone up to be with Jesus. The rapture of the church has taken place. And let me tell you something, after the rapture of the church, there's going to be a tribulation period coming. And you don't want to be here during that time. I said you don't want to be here during that time. Let me read for us so I can about Him coming back. Revelation 1 and 7. If I can turn right quickly to Revelation 1 and verse 7. Come on, Revelation. You and you are somewhere. No, it's not Romans. It's Revelation. Revelation 1 and verse 7. Let me read for us, please, if I can. 1 and 7. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail, Because of him, even so, amen. Dear God in heaven, listen to me again. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Let me read that for us if I can, please. Revelation 22 and verse 7. I'll find it in a moment here. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Jesus said again, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth his the sayings of, of the prophecy of this book. And then verse 12, he said it again, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Then he said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Oh God. And then verse 20, he said again, Surely, surely, I say surely. Surely, he said, I come quickly. Because the signs of the times are all around us. The Bible tells us that knowledge would be increased. And we're living in a miraculous day. It is amazing what man has come up with. Knowledge shall be increased. And the Bible tells us not only would knowledge be increased, but to be lawless, lawlessness throughout the land. And on our way, to church tonight, uh, honey, was listening, and they were talking about a shooting. Where was that shooting? Somewhere in New York. Where? I'm sorry. Florida, Florida in Florida. And somebody shot somebody and killed. Every day of the week, I say every day, somebody is killing somebody. Every day, no matter if it's old or young, what have you, amen, somebody is being killed every day. I tell you what's the God's truth. I I am I'm, I'm I'm concerned. Amen. I, I, just, I hope I can hold out, amen, till the till the, the, the Lord takes the church away. Praise God. I've got to make it, church. Hey, I, you know what? I've been living for God over fifty-one years. Over fifty-one years. I've been preaching for almost fifty of those years. And I tell you what, wouldn't it be a terrible thing that that after 50 years, Brother Elijah, 50 years of living for God and preaching, amen, from the West Coast to the East Coast and, and wherever it might be, in, in, in Brazil or or wherever it might have, have you, wouldn't it be a terrible thing for me to have lived for God all these years and somehow right at the very end miss it? And you're not going to make it on your own. You will not make it on your own. Because let me tell you something, when the rapture takes place, all hell is going to break loose in this earth. The Antichrist is going to make his scene. He's going to come on the scene. And I don't know how I'm getting to this. I have a tendency, it seems like, to get into the end time with everything I try to preach and what have you. But I can't help it because we're living in that time. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he's going to solve the world's problems. Everything is good and he's going to have everything, all the answers to all the problems and everything's going to be good. And all at once, everything just settles down. And all at once, he'll make a peace treaty with Israel and sign a a peace treaty with them for seven long years. And Israel thinks, hey man, we got it made. You know, somebody's going to finally protect us and, and everything's all right. But in the middle of that week of seven years, he breaks the contract and he comes with a fury against Israel. And it's not long after that, that the battle of Gog and Magog takes place. When all the hordes of Russia and all the Islamic people that come with them, they come down to the mountains of Israel. You've read this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They come down to the mountains of Israel, and there they got one thing on their mind, and that's to destroy Israel. Everybody say Israel. They want to destroy the Jewish people. But I got news for you, friend. The God that I serve, my Jesus Christ, was a Jew. I said, He was a Jew. He died a Jew. Amen. He, he lived a Jew. Amen. On the eighth day, he was circumcised like all the Jewish young men were and everything. He wore the prayer shawl of all Jewish men. He worshiped in the temple and on and on and on because he was a Jew. Antichrist comes on the scene. There's going to be some bad situation, my friend. One of the worst things is that he will. Declare that you can't buy nor sell except you receive the mark that He has put forth. Mark in your forehead or in your hand. You can't buy anything. You go to the store, you want to buy some bread, I'm sorry. I don't see the mark. I'm sorry, we can't sell to you. You go to another store, I'm sorry, sir, you don't have the mark. I, we can't sell to anybody. The government says we can't sell to anybody that doesn't have the mark. And so you can't buy nor can you sell anything to anybody because of the mark of the beast, that beast. It's going to be a terrible time. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be a terrible time. It's going to be an awful time. But I believe, this is what my, my own beliefs are. I believe that the church... I believe we'll have to go through some things. Now, I don't want to contradict anything our pastor would, would teach or preach at all. But he and I have talked about this before. But I believe this, that I believe that there will be a period of time that the church will have to go through, maybe the first three and a half years. Maybe the first three and a half years. And we will, we're going to find out, as somebody said, who the boys and who the men are. It's going to be a separation of the haves and the have-nots. Three and a half years of terrible time. But then maybe just shortly right after the three and a half years, maybe just a little bit past it, then God will take His church out of this old world. That's my feeling about this. And then the tribulation period sets in. Seven long years of tribulation. It's going to be a terrible time. An awful time. And I tell you what, I want to be ready above everything. Dear God, we need to have knowledge of this. You need to have understanding of it. Amen. You need to pray and be ready every day of your life. You never know when you leave this. Hey, I don't know myself. You know, I could leave here tonight and never get home alive. It's not because I'm older than probably anybody in this building. Well, Sean, you're older than me. I'm cutting up with you, buddy. <laughs> he just said, you better be cutting up. <laughs> But we never know. And so you're 18 or 19. <laughs> That's where you make points. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. Going to be a reality one day though. Brother Elijah, we're all going to be caught up together. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Heaven is going to be worth every long mile, every test, and every trial that you've ever gone through. Turn to your neighbor and say, heaven's going to be worth the wait. Heaven's going to be worth the wait. I promise you it will be. Dear God, I've I, I thought many times about what heaven would be like. You know, wh- what's it going to be like? When all at once you, you, you breathe this last earthly breath and bam, all at once you're in heaven, breathing heavenly air or whatever it is. And there, amen, of all the beautiful sights you'll behold. The walls of Jasper, Street of Gold, Gates of Pearl, what have you. New Jerusalem is going to be a, a massive place. 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. going to be an awesome place, I promise you. And Jesus Christ himself will sit on the throne of King David and be king of kings and lord of lords throughout eternity. You want, don't you want to make that? I said, don't you want to make that? Don't you want to make that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got to make that. Hallelujah. I've got to make it. Praise God. I've heard people say, what I'm, what, what they going to do when they get to heaven? I'm going to go find my uncle. I'm, to, I'm, you, I'm going to find Jesus. Praise God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall down at His feet. And I'm gonna worship Him. And I'm just gonna hold to His feet. I'm gonna say, Dear Jesus, thank you for having mercy on me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you, amen, for dying on the cross at Calvary. Thank you for shedding Your blood. Thank you because You not only ascended, but You come back after me again. Gonna be a reality. One of these days. Dear God, do you really believe all this? I said, do you believe all this? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. No, it didn't happen in 34 A.D. No, it didn't happen in the year 1000. No, it didn't happen in 1556. No, it didn't happen in 1715. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I had a dream one time. And I'll I'll just tell you the dream if I can. Now, my dad was a preacher. All I've ever known is going to church. I mean, let's face it. Sunday morning, I think I've told you before, my dad didn't come and say, Well, Sonny boy, would you like to stay home and play marbles this morning instead of going to church? Boys, time to go to the house of God. Amen. Jesus, help us today, Lord. I wanna I want to go to the promised land. But I want to ask you a question if I can. I preached to you about this last giant before Canaan. Wonder what your giant is. I wonder who your og could be. What could it be, that one giant, that would hinder you and keep you out of the promised land? And we are just about ready to step into it. But you know what? There's something called the devil, Satan. And he's going to do everything in his power to trip you up, to hinder you, to make you not believe these things. To make you think I got plenty of time. To make you think, well, praise God, if anybody makes it, it's going to be me. Watch out. I say, watch out. I say, watch out. When you get that type of attitude, amen. I want to make it and I'll do what I have to do to make it too. Praise God, I will. I'm going to make it somehow. Somehow. But I ask you a question who is your og? As you're about to enter the promised land. I've had people over my years living with the Lord, I've had lots of people try to turn me around. I worked in an insurance office and there was about thirty men of thirty of us, I guess, in that office. And at one time, I was the only man in that office that lived for God. My manager was a good man. I mean, he was all right. He he didn't have the Lord in his life. But uh, he, he constantly tried to get me to smoke cigarettes. And I said, I don't want a cigarette. So he test me on my, he said, well, look, how about going down, the, all the machines, cigarette machines were downstairs. How about going to the basement, get me a pack of Winstons. His name was Harvey. I said, sorry, Harv, I can't do that. He got mad at me. And I. he would work with me on my route, my insurance route. We got in the, the car, my car that morning. And by the time he got in there, he struck up at Winston. I said, Harv. We don't have smoking in my car. He jumped out of that car, threw that cigarette down, and stomped it. must have been a thousand times. I can't believe you. Larry, I can't believe you. Uh, you wouldn't let me smoke in your car. We got to the dinner table. We worked a while and finally went to lunch. There we were at our plaything. Out came the Winston's again. Struck it. I said, Harv, I know you don't want me to smoke while we're eating. Am I the only ones that have been that way? Anybody else besides me? There's one, two, three, four. Come on. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now The rest of them, I'm just calling numbers here. (laughs) Praise God. Sean, we've been in too long to miss it, haven't we, buddy? Right. We've been in too long. We've got loved ones we want to see Amen. when we get there. Amen. My dad, my dad, precious man of God, he taught me some good things. He corrected me when I was wrong. But he taught me some good stuff. I had a great pastor in Brother Grady Eberhardt, a wonderful man of God. He taught me some great things, taught me some beautiful things. I remember one day we were going to the hospital together, and I was riding with him, and I was just a young preacher. And he said, Now, Brother Larry, when you pastor, and he began to tell me all this kind of stuff, I said, What are you talking about? Me, Pastor? I ain't gonna pastor. He said, Oh yes, you will. I ran from that a long time. But you know what? The hand of heaven got a hold of me. Praise God. And I submitted to the to the work of God. It's been a been a good time, fifty one years almost. I've been blessed to be able to preach in a lot of different places. And blessed to preach to a lot of people. But nevertheless, I don't want to be, as Paul said, after having preached to others, that I myself should be a castaway. I want to make heaven my home. Turn to your neighbor and say, make heaven your home. Praise God. Well, I'm just about to wind everything up here. Got a little story on tea. There was this hen in Farba Jones' chicken yard, and she was kind of haughty. And she went around telling the rooster, said, I'm gonna lay eggs where nobody's ever laid them before. He said, Really? She said, See that fence post over there? I'm gonna lay an egg on that, that fence post. He said, too late, somebody's already laid a laid an egg there. She said, that's all right. Said, you see Farmer Jones tractor." Said, I'm gonna leg right in the seat where he sits. Sorry, honey. Somebody's already laid an egg there too. She said, Well, i tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm going to Farmer Jones' house, and right where he walks in the door, I'm gonna leg right there. Sorry, somebody's already laid an egg there too. She said, I'll well, tell you what I'm gonna do then. I'm going to go out in the street, and I'm going to lay an egg right in the street. And Mr. Rooster said, and honey, when you do, you better lay it quick and lay it on the line. (laughs) Quick. You know the line. You better lay it quick and on the line. I thought that's what I was going to do tonight was preach to you, lay it quick and on the line. God's good in the church. Why don't we come up to the front tonight? We're a church. Everybody's important. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're important. Come on, everybody come, if you will, please. If you can, even bring the little ones. All of us just gather up here. We've got a great pastor and his wife. Brother and Sister Candy, are precious people. Amen. We're blessed to have them. and. This is a great church. Iraq is a great church. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. Amen. Alex, come up here, buddy. Come here. Yeah. This boy prays for me all the time. He loves me. And so does his little brother. Where's his little brother at? Okay. All right. I said, no, no. All right. But he loves me and he prays me all the time. Because he told me this afternoon, he said, pa-, said Papa, I'm going to pray for you tonight. Everything's going to be all right. Did I do okay? Yes. 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 Okay, buddy. I love you, man. <laughs> Turn to somebody beside you now and say, I want you to know I love you. With the love of the Lord. Come on, with the love of the Lord. With the love of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord is so good. Let's, let's, let's pray together right now, shall we? Together. Precious Lord God, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your love and kindness. Thank you, dear God, for the service tonight. Thank you for those that have come tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh God, Lord, that whatever this last giant is that we have to face before we enter Canaan's happy, precious land, dear God, that we would be overcomers of all these giants All these giants, oh God, the giant of ease, the giant of worry, oh God, the giant of unbelief, and on and on, dear God. We must overcome them. Help us, help everybody here to be an overcomer, Lord. Dear God, we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony. I want to be an overcomer. I want to hear you say wonderful words, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. What a great and wonderful time that's going to be. I'm looking to be there, and I'm looking to see you all there, too. Amen. And we can sing a little song saying, Won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells a ring. Everybody needs a wife. She's a grand one. Believe me, she is. She's been putting up with me for a long time. You probably have a special place in heaven because of it. She said, yep. Yeah. She didn't say no. She said, yep, yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, God it's so good. I appreciate the Lord tonight. We're going to pray one more time, and, and we'll be dismissed tonight. But as you go home, uh, continue to pray for Brother Ed and Sister Candy and all the group that went with them. I don't remember who all they were. Pray they'll have a safe trip back. And uh, Barb went with them. Who, else, who other adults went? Colin went with them. And Barb yeah, and Beth went with them. Brother Frank went with them. And I don't know who else. Anybody know who else went? Who? All right. So several more went with them. And we need to pray that they just enjoyed the services there. And I believe they have. And they'll have a safe trip back. And by Sunday, Wow. I'm looking for an explosion after they've been down in Louisiana that great meeting there. Let's pray one more time together. Lord, we thank you again for being here tonight. We thank you for a good congregation that has listened to the words that I've said. Help us, O oh God, tonight, Lord, that this last giant we that stands before us, before Canaan's land, before we go to heaven, dear God, that we will be an overcomer. Lord, that we will slay those giants that seem to stand so tall, so huge, and so enormous. But God, greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And I believe, O God, with your help, we shall make it. We shall walk streets of gold. We shall worship at your feet one day. Dear God, I know that we will. Now keep us as we go on our journey home. Keep us safe in every way. Bring us back to this place Sunday morning, to the place appointed and the time. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.